Welcome to the 1689 Evangelism Podcast, where we endeavor to replace pragmatism with biblical practice. My name is Stephan Albin. I'm the pastor of Strasburg Baptist Church in Strasburg, Missouri, and I'm joined by Dr. Thomas Johnston, who is the Senior Professor of Evangelism at Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary and the founder of Evangelism Unlimited. I'm glad you've all joined us, so let's dive right into today's episode. The 1689 London Baptist Confession, Chapter 20, Paragraph 3. The Gospel has been revealed to sinners in various times and in different places, along with the promises and precepts describing the obedience it requires. The particular nations and individuals who are granted this revelation are chosen solely according to the sovereign will and good pleasure of God. This choice does not depend on any promise to those who demonstrate good stewardship of their natural abilities based on common light received apart from the gospel. No one has ever done this, nor can anyone do so. Therefore, in every age, the preaching of the gospel to individuals and nations has been granted in widely varying degrees of expansion and contraction according to the counsel of the will of God. Dr. Johnston, I, I want to talk about evangelism and the biblical mandate. Um, yes. In Scripture, <clears throat> we see a type of uh, compulsion from the apostles um, we, to evangelize. Paul, and I think we mentioned this in a previous episode, Paul says, woe to me if I do not evangelize. So could yes. you talk to us uh, about evangelism <clears throat> and how the Bible speaks of our requirement as believers to, to share the gospel with others. Yes, thank you, Stephen. What an awesome uh, topic. Thank you for uh, reading that portion from uh, the 1689 London Baptist Confession, chapter 20, paragraph 3. Amazing stuff. Amazing to consider the call that's placed upon us to evangelize. Very interesting thing. I did a research on every use of evangelize, that is, on every lexical use, uh, how how it was uh, broken down in, as a, in, a, in in parsing um, the verb evangelize, and there's a reason I'm telling you this. And I did the same thing with the verb caruso, which is to preach. And here's what I noticed: is that there's not no place in the Bible is there a direct command to evangelize. Uh, evangelize is like a is like used in in participle forms. It's an outgrowth. It's a natural flow of the life of the believer. The commands are commands are to preach the gospel are always the verb caruso. Mm-hmm. So what I get from that then is that we're not directly commanded to evangelize per se using that word we're commanded to preach proclaim bear witness testify um tons and tons of commands including the five great commission passages and none of them are directly related to the verb evangelize evangelize rather is the outgrowth of that command so uh, an example comes to me is the the famous call uh in uh the macedonian call in Acts 16, look at where look at where uh, what it says in Acts 16 verse 
9, uh, a vision appeared to Paul in a, in a dream in the night, and the man from Macedonia stood and pleaded, saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. So he's asking for help. Hmm. Verse 10, now after we had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us to evangelize them. So the 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 call was to do that. And so evangelism is a part of the normal habit of a Christian life. It's a normal part of a Christian life is to evangelize. We should be evangelists. In fact, if we're not, if we're not confessing Christ with our mouth, then he will not confess us before God. And mm-hmm. one of the one of the sternest rebukes or warnings of scripture on that regard is the last verse in Mark 8. Mark 8, 38 says, For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him the Son of Man will, all, will be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. So shame for shame, confessing for confessing. Now the confession side we get from Matthew 10. Um, whoever confesses me before men, him I will confess before my Father in heaven. Whoever denies me before men, him I will deny before my brothers in heaven. So we have very strong motivation that we must be not only believing in Jesus, but also confessing him openly. Which, remember, the Nicodemus and uh, Joseph of Arimathea were believers in Jesus, but they were not confessing him openly so that they would not be kicked out of the synagogue. So look at what John 12 says. This is a danger that we have to watch out for. I'm not trying to be legalistic here. This is a scripture. In John chapter 12, it says, verse 42, Nevertheless, even among the, among the rulers, many believed in him. But see, their faith in Jesus was a, was a deficient faith. Why? Because, but because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him lest they should be put out of the synagogue, for they love the praise of men more than the praise of God. Some people believe in Jesus because he's a good teacher and because he helps me live a good life. It's, it's self-aggrandizing. It's, self, uh, um, it's mm-hmm. selfish faith. But, a, a, but a, uh, an evangelistic faith, a confessing faith, is one that is submit is is not self-serving, like Simon the sorcerer who wanted, who just wanted to be able to make money off the Holy Spirit. No, uh, uh, this is is a is a is a totally submissive faith. And so yes, so do Christians need to evangelize? Absolutely, we need to evangelize. We have all five Great Commission pastors that say preach the gospel. That's on Mark, um, and uh, and. And repentance and forgiveness is, and pardon me, repentance and remission of sins shall be proclaimed in his name, beginning from Jerusalem. That's Luke 24 and in Acts 1 8. You are testifiers of me, you know, Judea, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and unto the uttermost parts of the, uh, of the earth. So we have, we have very, very clear call to communicate the gospel. It's part of a healthy spiritual life. Mm, yes. And so the gospel, when we're thinking about um, proclaiming the gospel, obviously the first thing we think about is 
the lost, the one to whom the gospel is being preached. Is there, though, also, in addition to that, a, a an effect on our spiritual um, our spiritual being as Christians, our, our spiritual growth as believers? Does it <laughs> does evangelism act as a, a a means of sanctification in the life of a Christian? If if there's a Christian who is is obedient to the call of God, going and evangelizing, whether it's in his uh, workplace, his home, in the, it, it, on the street corner, uh, in the marketplace, wherever it may be, if he's engaging with unbelievers yes. by, by proclaiming the gospel, does that sanctify us as believers? Uh, a- a- absolutely. I believe, I believe gospel proclamation, sanctify means cleanse. Yeah, I think there's a cleansing impact, a cleansing impact of that, but that's also but it's also a discipleship component or a spiritual growth component where, mm. where we grow in the grace and knowledge of him by obeying God, obeying Christ and his commands. And as we obey, he blesses us because of that. Mm. So when, when, I, when I see in Romans 5, when I see we glory in tribulation, knowing tribulation produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. Now, hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who has given to us. How do we get the love of God? We get the love of God by persevering through tribulation, in this case, in the context here, caused by the proclamation of the gospel. Mm-hmm. So tri- tribulate the tribulation that comes from preaching Jesus ends up pouring the, whole, the love of God upon us the love of God by the Holy Spirit just pours into our hearts. So one of the biggest problems I had have had and I still have uh, teaching evangelism is that I cannot teach love, mm. uh, and, and yet and yet students need love, love for God, but also love for lost people in order to care about them. And I've actually been door to door one time with uh, a couple that I was asked to. Uh, to see if they would qualify for NAM money for church planting. And I remember in particular this, the woman would not even look at the people at their door. She's looking off at the trees and at the, the mm. Missouri River going by. And, and, and I'm thinking, does this woman even care about the people we're talking to? It's like she didn't have any love. She's just going through a perfunctory step in the NAM process, which is, oh, you got to go share the gospel now. Yeah. It's like, man... This is a real person we're talking to. This is not a fake person. It's a real person, a real soul with a real eternity, and the eternity is either heaven or hell. And if this per- if if this uh, dear woman here doesn't even care about the person, doesn't even have enough love to even look at them in the eyes to actually uh, appreciate what they're saying or not saying, and find out where they're at, and I mean this per this this person doesn't have isn't. Uh, isn't a good candidate for for church planting because yeah. man she doesn't even have love for for people even even if she doesn't know them she still should have love for them yeah. and so uh, um, it, it it's amazing we can't teach love but love comes and and love increases as we increase to go out as we increase to be bold about Jesus um, he just pours his love in our hearts and and I believe part of it 
remember when the, Stephen was being killed mm. at the end of Acts chapter six? Yeah, his face his face shone like an angel. I, I literally believe that as we're as we're uh, proclaiming the gospel, as it were, and I know this is a cliche, but bragging on Jesus, we're so what we're 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 bragging on on our 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 groom Jesus, who are the bride of Christ, and how wonderful he is, and how magnificent the salvation is. We're we're sharing his excellencies, no matter the fangs that come out of us, but of, of antagonistic people, as Stephen when he was talking before the Sanhedrin, who were going to kill him, um, his face shone like an angel. Why? He was he was. All he was just proclaiming Jesus to them, wonderfully from the Word of God, the Old Testament, just an amazing Bible-saturated sermon. And he saw Jesus in the heavenlies, and and he didn't care. Uh, Jesus was shining all over him. So that that happens when we're in a gospel context like that. It's a beautiful thing. And not only that, but one of the other important things. In, in 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 spiritual growth is understanding where other people are at. So let's say I'm talking to someone on the streets and that person, oh yeah, I heard the gospel, but you know I'm I'm you know more interested in in uh, uh, drinking or in drugs than I am in the gospel. Mm. And, and when I when I hear or when I experience certain things, it becomes a it becomes a a gut check to me that I have to keep really short accounts with God because wherever this person I'm talking to is, is where I ought to be and am outside of Jesus. And so I have to be careful lest I fall into the traps they've fallen into. And, and, I, and I'll, I'll talk to people from, a, from maybe a Jewish background or a Roman Catholic background or maybe a Muslim background or from different backgrounds, and I'm learning about what they believe, and perhaps I'm learning about uh, um, short uh, um, difficulties in what they believe as regards to the gospel or the word of God, and maybe they haven't come to Christ. All these things are God uses to to warn me, and also to grow me and to make make me a more powerful witness for Him, and and so it's all a part of His wonderful plan. Uh, and I think evangelism is probably the best follow-up tool that there is in the, in the life of the Apostle Paul, it's the first thing he did is immediately he began evangelizing. And that's found in Acts chapter 9. Uh, you can see it here in verse, uh, let me see, uh, verse 20. Immediately he preached to Christ in the synagogues that he is the Son of God. So the uh, if you look at R.A. Tories, How to Work for Christ on follow-up, his first, his first uh, thing, the first thing that he tells a new believer to do is tell somebody else about your faith in Jesus. They need Jesus too. And, mm. the, and it's an amazing thing. I had a, a man who was the chairman of our church up in Manitoba, and he was a wonderful uh, chairman, he was a grandpa figure in the church, and uh, when I was there, and uh, when he had come to faith in Christ in Steinbeck, Manitoba, uh, at a at a uh, revival meeting, the evangelist, when he prayed to receive Christ, the evangelist said, "Now get up there 
and, and take the microphone and tell everybody what you've just done. And so the more, maybe seconds after he uh, repented of his sins and believed in Jesus as his Lord and Savior and Master, um, he was up at the mic telling all his friends, uh, two, two or three hundred people, what he had just done. And because of having an immediate witness like that, and I'm, I'm just kind of guesstimating here, but I think it's a good, a good guesstimating, that guy had a backbone. I had an immediate backbone. He was he he wasn't a mealy mouth or wishy washy. He believed in Jesus. He believed in evangelism. He knew, uh, you know, you must be born again. I mean, he was a great uh, uh, a great chairman of the church. In fact, when he moved away, he moved away to British Columbia. Uh, when he did, um, we had a vacuum of leadership in that church because this guy, unbeknownst to me, uh, until he moved away, he was. He was a powerhouse for that church, wow. and uh, even as a grandpa figure. And so I, we really missed him. In fact, I didn't stay at the church very much longer after he, after he left. I probably should have stayed longer, but I didn't. But uh, mm. the Lord knows what He's doing. Yeah, well, but, it reminds uh, me of Peter. Yeah, like Peter, right? When he sees the um, the persecution coming, and he prays for boldness, and then what happens? Yes, God gives him the, right, the Holy Spirit is poured out upon the church and that gives them boldness. It's, it's a sign that as a Christian, you've been empowered by the Holy Spirit. You, you speak boldly of Jesus. Yes. Yes. So that, and that, and that's in, in Acts 4 31 after they had prayed, the place where they were assembled was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God with boldness. So God actually even gave a sign there, which was the actual kind of like a little earthquake in that building. Um, to show them, hey, something something unusual is happening here, and and they prayed for boldness, and they and they yes, so persecution um, and tribulation because evangelism is not something we should be afraid of. It's actually part of our spiritual growth. It's part of the love of God being shed abroad in our hearts. It's part of receiving His boldness and going forward for Him uh, in His ways and not in the world's ways. We don't want to go that way. Right. Amen. Amen. Yeah. So th there are people out there who maybe are are trying to find a middle way. Um, mm -hmm. I, and this phrase has been contributed to uh, I think Bear Grylls or Francis of Assisi or, or or whoever. I don't I don't know who actually said it, but there's the phrase out there that says, "Well, evangelize without speaking words," or, or, or something along those lines. Like evangelize without talking is yes. that is that possible yeah. have they found a halfway point or are they just missing the point i think i think i think yes i think the quote you're, you're trying to think of is preach gospel at all times if necessary use words there you go yes <laughs> and yes it is necessary to use words in fact um uh, the best example of that is actually in acts uh, chapter um uh, chapter 8 verse 35 where the verb evangelize is used then Philip opened his mouth and beginning with this scripture, evangelized Jesus to him. So you always have the mouth being opened and God's speaking through the person, uh, his, his words. And the word the, in, in Acts 1.8, uh, and that's a word for witness and the concept of trying to be a silent witness. Um, if you translate it this way, but you show receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be testifiers to me. And I remember I spoke to 
uh, Dr. Terry Wilder, who teaches New Testament, I said, is testifier a valid translation uh, for the word there uh, in Martyrus in, uh, in, in Acts 1a? He said, absolutely. Hmm. Witness and testify mean the same thing. It has to be verbal. It can't be silent. Yeah. You shall be testifiers of me. And we see Peter then open his mouth. In, in fact, it's very interesting. Uh, look at look at what uh, look at uh, Acts two fourteen. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and said to them, "Men of Judea." So we 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 almost bypass those words, but but they're there. The the actually the opening of the mouth to speak. In fact, the the great sermon of Paul in in uh, uh, Antioch of Pisidia. Uh, he it's, it it says when he begins this. His talk, um, after the reading of the law and the prophets, the rulers of the synagogue sent to them, saying, Men and brethren, do you have any word of exhortation uh, for the people? Say on. Then Paul stood up, motioning with his hand, said, spoke, Men of Israel. There's, a, there's a, an action uh, of standing up, of speaking, of raising their hand, of, of opening their mouth. It's, it's an amazing... Uh, Amazing, beautiful thing that you see uh, throughout the Book of Acts. Um, yes. Yeah. So, so yes. He, no. Uh, there, there's no. Uh, this. Our life should not contradict the gospel, because we are given the gift of Christ's obedience, which is amazing gift. His obedience and His righteousness. He changes us and transforms us. We were dead in trespasses and sins with no hope in the world outside of the covenant of hope, outside of any opportunity for hope. He made us alive together with him. So our lives should reflect the life of our loving Savior who gave himself for us and literally gives us his obedience as a gift. It's not our obedience, it's his. And then, and and so our life should not contradict that. There are times we sin and have to confess and 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 humble ourselves, repent and turn return to God and ask for help for next time. But our lives should be tracking toward Jesus. But do our lives ever share the gospel? No. In fact, mm -hmm. our lives, if anything, it, the parable of our lives is a is a is a, is a parable that they don't understand. They they think if I do like Tom does, if I do like Stefan does, then I'm going to be okay before God. Hmm. The only way for them to know that no, I cannot. That Tom believes I can't do anything pleasing to God in myself. In fact, all my works are wood, hay, and stubble, and what all my works are worthless. But the works of Jesus, which He brings about in me, those are worthwhile for sure. Praise God. They're mm. his works. So all the glory goes to Jesus, not to me. But see, people don't understand that unless they hear it, hear it from our lips that my good works, my good attitude, my good thoughts, none of it is mine. It's all Jesus. Yeah. Because and and they can they can't the paradigm is too is too much of a change for them to understand. All that they want to do is they want to imitate us. And I remember my wife worked for somebody, 
and and this this <laughs> this woman she worked for uh, wanted her to quit, right? So she was making her life real hard for her. And the woman actually ended up saying to her, "No one can love like you love. Mm. It's not possible." And and my wife didn't have was totally caught off guard. But when it comes right down to it, it's not my wife's love. It's hopefully it's the love of Christ in her. Right. That makes her love in such a way that her her boss, who was not saved, matches up her life with my wife's life and says, I can't do that. Well, the only way for that boss to figure out, yes, and my wife can't do it either, is for Jesus. It's only through Jesus because he, I, it's his works. Right. And so, so just seeing our lives actually makes people, pushes people toward a work salvation. Hmm. And, and we don't want to do that. Our, so a lifestyle evangelism outside of preaching the gospel is literally work salvation. Wow. And preaching the gospel is scriptures alone, faith alone, grace alone, Christ alone, to the glory of God alone. It's got to be that. Yes. So what, so we need to be, as Christians, we need to be evangelizing. We need to be using words um we, we need to be sh sharing the good news about jesus uh, what message would you have for someone who sees that who, who, who understands that who, who feels the conviction and yet maybe isn't evangelizing as much as um they should be and then compare that then to someone uh, what message would you give someone who says they're a Christian but sees no need to evangelize at all? Well, um, I, I, I would say thank you. Great question. I would say to the person, I would say, Amen. I always am that way. I never feel like I do enough, and that's mm. okay. It's because the Holy Spirit gives us a a yearning to love Him more, just like my. Yeah. Life. I don't love. Much I want to love. And and it's, because I yearn. Is the. It keeps me. Humble and. 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 Right now. Hmm. Yeah. More. Same with. And with his gospel. I want to do more for him. Yeah. And the fact that I want to do more shows a whole. And it's uh, always being drawn mm. for the person. Or, uh, if you say, if, if you follow me, Jesus says, follow me, I will make you become. Out of Mark 1. If you're following Christ, he will make you become. And with Lord, give me a. And I should give you opportunities. And give me opportunities today and show me what those opportunities are. Bring them to my mind and help me to be equipped and ready to take those opportunities you give. Please, God, I need to do that because I just feel dry lately. I need, I need, a, I need a spiritual boost that tells me about Jesus gives. And, mm. and he, will, he will answer that. Now, for the person who's the second person that you said who who doesn't think they have the need to share, 
um, I think that mm -hmm. person needs to repent uh, because they are actually going against a, an awful lot of scripture that that says we have to confess him before men. And mm -hmm. now without being legalistic, and because there are times in, in, in our lives, maybe like I'm thinking of my, my mother-in-law's in a nursing home right now, right? Mm. It's Alzheimer's and it's not very good. Well, I think God's requirement on her and maybe on a child and on, on, on people at different times in their life is different because God knows all these. He knows life cycles right. and he knows these things. So he knows where we're at. But I would, I would say in a loving, gentle way, um, please please consider the, the Great Commission passages. And, yeah. and please understand, God is calling you to give, to uh, to verbally proclaim him, even if the cost is, or if Satan uh, gives us fear of man, mm -hmm. uh, we, should, we shouldn't fear man. And it makes me think of Acts chapter 18, verse 9 and 10, where Paul had fear. And he kept his mouth shut. Listen to what the Lord said to Paul. Now the Lord spoke to Paul in the night by a vision. Do not be afraid. But speak and do not keep silent. For I am with you. And no one will attack you to hurt you. For I have many people in this city. Mm. And he continued there a year and six months. Teaching the word of God among them. Paul had fear. So if you have fear, if I have fear, we're in the same category with Paul and Peter. Remember the crucifixion where the little slave girl says, you're one of them, aren't you? And what did he say? Expletive. I'm not. So, so um, if we have fear, we're in the same group and camp with Paul and Peter. I mean, two pretty massive people in the church. In the, among the apostles. So, so mm -hmm. it is a very normal thing. And yeah. God will help us overcome that. And ask him that for help. Lord, I, I have your name, and I want you to help me overcome that fear. And normally overcoming the fear for me is planning to go out in evangelism with another believer. That's why Jesus sent them out two by two, because two are better than one, and you can encourage one another. And you can build on the uh, one might have fear, the other one might be bold and back and forth. And you can keep one another accountable and encourage one another. I mean, Stefan, you and I have gone door to door together, right? Yeah. And, and so maybe I'm a scared going to one door, <laughs> but maybe you're not. And then, may, mm -hmm. or maybe you're scared and I'm not. But we're, but but our our corporate uh, commitment. To share in the gospel gives us strength, mm. and and we can encourage one another, build one another up, uh, um, uh, and and it's a wonderful, wonderful thing. Um, it's a beautiful thing. As and and basically, as you're back in the second uh, second London Confession of 1689, it says, God grants uh, in every age. Uh, God has granted the preaching of the gospel to individuals. When we go and we share the gospel, the blessing of God is being poured down on that area, on that person, 
they may not know it, they may not realize it, but it's literally, it's the God's blessing that the gospel is going forth and it's coming out of our mouth. That's how he blesses the world. Yes. Yeah. And I can, I can remember um, when I became a Christian, I was in uh, Denver, Colorado at a, at a Christian conference out there. And, and it was, um, it was late at night and I just felt the urge to go out and share the gospel that I had just heard and understood. And I remember praying as I'm walking down the street, midnight, downtown Denver, uh, praying, Lord, give me an opportunity. Give me an opportunity to share this gospel that I've just understood and believed in. Yes. And, and not a moment after I prayed that prayer, a gentleman comes up kind of out of an alleyway to, to sell me some some, some illegal uh, substances. And yeah. I, I said, no, nope, I got to go. And, you know, I, I had I had the other the other way. And I thought. Well, I guess there was an opportunity, but I was afraid. But I thought, yes, next the next guy. So the next guy that approached me was selling CDs, and I could handle that. So <laughs> I bought a CD and shared the gospel with him. But Amen. The Lord, <laughs> Amen. But the Lord uses that to 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 train us, to encourage us, to to make us bold um, by His Spirit in order to share the gospel. Because as you said. To whom much has been given, right? Much is expected. We we've been given so much. Let us let us share it with others, right? We've been we're the beggar who has received bread. Let's 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 share it to others who are who are who are starving. So, yes, and, and after you share the gospel, that's encouragement, hopefully. Yes. Was your yes? Oh, absolutely. Uh, I think I had. Four or five conversations after that, but but that one is what broke me out of uh, kind of the fear, right? It, it helped me get over yes. that. And yes, yeah. And by the way, a lot of times going door to door, I need I have group, and the first couple houses I go to, and I got right. No, it sounds very methodological or pragmatic, but to as a local church, church you you know that that, that you attend um and just so, it takes time just like you had the one occasion but then once you are sharing the gospel sure. i mean our hearts are lifted heavenward aren't they this is the joy is overflowing yes, yeah yeah there, there is that that human aspect uh, you know there's the flesh that pushes back and, and, and you overcome that and the spirit is at work yes. and um, you're, you're doing something and this goes back to something you said earlier you're doing something that advances the kingdom that glorifies God that yes that the and that's something that the enemy doesn't want and so you're going to face opposition spiritual opposition when you're um, when you're talking to people about Jesus absolutely yes amen and opposition strong and that's just the way it is to see in fact yeah. Jesus, after after the disciples came back in Acts 10, uh, and Jesus said, uh, I saw Satan falling from heaven like lightning. As the gospel is going forth, forth um, just, it's like the power of Satan is being is being uh, attacked. And, and and so then he does leash back, for sure. He leashes back and, and causes problems to the evangelists, that's for sure. So we have to be on our guard. Yeah. And then 
and at the same time, the in a sense, the strong man is is bound. So we can, we're plundering his house, right? We're, we're plundering the world by proclaiming the gospel to the ends of the world. And and so the the Holy Spirit is able. It's just an amazing thought: is that the Holy Spirit is able to overcome man's depravity, right? To to use. Um, vessels weak vessels such as us to, yes, to yes. herald a gospel that can break through the hardness of heart and and overcome uh, man's slavery to sin and, and set them free and so yes somehow we're touching eternity we're yeah. literally touching eternity uh, when we're proclaiming the gospel eternity is coming out of our lips eternal life and we're bringing eternity we're being and 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 a dead soul a totally dead soul can uh, can be brought to life. It reminds me of that Shane and Shane song. I hear a dead heart beating now. Yeah, yes. <laughs> and, and the dead soul yeah. is hearing it, is hearing the voice. The yeah, Holy is Spirit. that? Yeah, uh, yeah. there's a Jim, Jimmy Needham song, right? Uh, Jimmy Needham. Um, yeah, that could be a Jimmy Needham song, now. but I know also uh, probably yeah, both. <laughs> Shane and Shane is yeah. Um, I yes, it's so good, isn't it? Amen. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, so there's a dead heart. But as the gospel is going forward, life is being poured into it, and the dead heart is going to start to beat. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's beautiful. <laughs> it is. It's amazing, amazing truth. And I hope that's an encouragement to uh, Christians, right? Um, mm. The importance yes, and, the, and the miraculous nature of evangelism. Um, mm. Yeah. Ho- hopefully this uh, episode uh, encourages believers, gets them out there, maybe outside of their comfort zone gets them talking to friends, to coworkers, to, to strangers yes. about um, who Jesus is and how he can uh, redeem them from sin. Amen. Um, any last words, Dr. Johnston? No, I just want to thank you. Yes. The, the, the miracle of the gospel, the, the, um, it, and it reminds me of the beginning of the, the song of Moses. Uh, Jesus, Moses says, uh, let my words drop like rain and my, my speech distill as dew on the herbs and on the fresh grass. The, when the gospel goes forth, it's like the, the water coming down on dry ground. Mm-hmm. And the dry ground comes to life. It springs up with life um, fructified by the gospel of Jesus Christ mm-hmm. that saves a dead soul and creates life within. It's an amazing thing. Mm. Yes, yeah, so you're you're right. The, the the supernatural miracle of evangelism and the result of evangelism is is phenomenal. Mm. Amen. Well, thank you, Dr. Johnston. Thank you, Stefan. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to find out more information about 1689 Evangelism, you can go to 1689evangelism.com. If you'd like to find out more about the Resurgence Collective you can go to theresurgence.site. It was a pleasure being here with you today. We'll see you again very soon.